Hey friends, welcome to the Empowered Homes Leadership Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip, encourage, and challenge leaders to be the best they can be in all areas of their life. And today's episode is another part of our Lead Talk series. Uh, our Lead Talks uh, ha- was an event that happened in October 2021. You can go to empoweredhomes.org lead to find out more information about that. But you're about to hear from Dennis Turnipseed. And Dennis is the director of Eyes on Me here in Houston. And uh, Eyes on Me is a a ministry that goes to the hard places to bring the gospel, but to bring life and help folks all over Houston. Uh, He's going to be sharing um, from a place where he was successful in business, very successful, done great things. But how do you move from success to significance? And his life is a testimony of that. So you're going to be blessed by him. If you got questions or want more information, please email us at leaders at empoweredhomes.org. As a backdrop to what I'm going to tell you today, I grew up in a loving home with two parents. We were Lutherans and heavily involved in the church. And I grew up in a very conservative household, no smoking, no alcohol, no cussing, at least when the parents are around. And then also, I'm the oldest of three. Anybody out there, the oldest sibling in the family? Yeah, we're a special breed, aren't we? And a quick shout out to Cade Pierce, because he really set up my story today, talking about success and and faithfulness and obedience, because those are two words that I kind of forgot in my business career uh, for, for probably two decades. The story I'd like to share with you today starts when I was uh, at the age of 18, just graduated from, from high school. My parents said, you can afford to go to any college that you have the funds to pay for because <laughs> we didn't set aside any money for you. Hmm, interesting. So I uh, left home for college, ended up working uh, three part-time jobs, and I had to foot the bill, you know, foot the bill for my college education. So it was during that time that I determined that I was going to be financially successful by the f- definition of, this, of the world, by worldly standards. So I packed up. I was growing up in Austin at the time, drove down to San Marcos, and uh, really stepped into a new world called college life. Interestingly enough, I managed to survive that college party atmosphere, earn a degree with honors, and was recruited to Houston to work at the largest professional accounting firm at the time, Arthur Anderson. This was 1987. Career starts off well. I'm feeling good about myself, maybe a little cocky, which is ironic for an accountant. But I was making money now. I thought I was doing a great job. Everything's going well, getting good feedback on the engagements that I worked on. And then in May of 1989, I get called into a partner's office. Door closes behind me. It's not a good sign. I was told it was time for me to start looking for somewhere else to work. Now, you have to understand, at that time, it was very typical for accounting firms to hire more staff than they needed because they knew attrition was going to take its toll. But it didn't matter because in my mind, I was terminated. I was devastated. It was one month before my wedding. I'm a type A personality, leader of my siblings, organizations in, in college. You know, I was self-driven, motivated, organized, full of energy, and now fired. That was a defining moment for me because... I made a determination that day that that was not going to happen again. I would work as hard as I could to get ahead and make sure that I never gave an employer reason to terminate me. At that moment, I became afraid to fail. 
And that fear of failure would come back to haunt me in the years ahead. But over the next 10 years, I was working my way up the corporate ladder. Man, I was doing some great things. I was in mergers and acquisitions. I was in consolidation companies, roll-up companies, public companies, doing a lot of really good things. I had adopted the Philo method of working. First one in, last one out. I would attend church on Sunday, but then I was back in the grind. You might say I was practicing what's become known today as Western Gnosticism. Act like a Christian on Sunday and then living in the world the rest of the week. I had two young kids at this time, working all the time. Life was getting crazy, hectic, and stressful. February 16th, 1999, it hit me. All of a sudden, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Stress-induced anxiety had taken over. I had burned out. 12 years into my corporate career, the fear of failure that was bottled up in me had finally gotten to me. I hadn't had any failures that I can recall, but was still so fearful. Well, thank God I had a great boss. He told me, leave, go take care of yourself. So I walked out the door not knowing what the, next, what the future was going to hold. The first two weeks were hell. I went to my medical doctor, tried to figure out what's going on. Then I went to a counselor. Man, I was crying like a baby. I was a wreck. This counselor got me thinking, though. She gave me some good advice. She said, think about your balance, your life balance between God, family, and career. Through all this time, I was forced to slow down. A prayer life picked up. Fortunately, I turned to the Bible instead of self-medicating in other means. Discovered Matthew 6, 25, 34. The greatest passage in my mind in the Bible regarding anxiety. I realized I had the order mixed up. Instead of God, family, and career, I was career, family, God. After three weeks of self-help, getting myself, uh, you know, overcoming what I'd gone through, I, I plugged back into life. I was back in the game, but now determined to keep the order correct. God, family, career. So I'm feeling good. Over the next few years, I was doing better with the ordering of that. But I really still became so consumed with this mergers and acquisitions world I was in. I also realized I was pretty good at turning around companies, companies that were in the ditch. CEO, CFO left. I'd come in behind them, figure out what's going on. But it was, it was a grind. My order was slowly turning back to career, family, and God, and I wasn't aware of it. Then early 2009, almost 10 years to the day, it hit me again. In the midst of the successful corporate run I was having, I crashed and burned. Still hadn't had any failures yet, but the stress, the pressure, everything had, had, had come up inside of me again, and I realized I was back to career, family, and God. I had a call to the timeout. This time it only took me two weeks, got my ordering back right, but man, after going through this twice, I said, you know what? I'm getting smart enough to understand I'm not going to do this a third time. I'll resign before I go through this a third time. However, during that slowdown, I quit reading books on corporate leadership and developed an interest in more self-help, spiritual healing, books about Christianity, no surprise. One wasn't working, so I tried something else. And I read a book that really grabbed hold of me. It's called Halftime. Some of you may be aware of the book, written by Bob Buford. I couldn't get past the first page of the introduction as he writes, none of us knows when we will die, 
But any of us, if we wish, may select our own epitaph. He goes on to say, I have chosen mine, 100X. I'm scratching my head, not quite sure what that meant at the time. But then he writes, I wanted to be remembered as the seed that was planted in good soil and multiplied a hundredfold. Bob then quotes St. Augustine who stated, what do I wish to be remembered for? That is the beginning of adulthood. Throughout, the, throughout this book, Halftime, Bob Buford references the metaphor of life being like a football game, right? The first half is, is, the, is the perspective of success. Second half is the journey to significance. Then he goes on to say the game is won or lost in the second half. Bob then spends an entire chapter talking about finding your one thing. He says, your one thing is the most important Essential part of you, it's discovering what's true about yourself, who you are as a unique individual created for a purpose by God. Then he, goes on to, then he goes on to ask these questions. What is your purpose? What makes you tick? Why, what do you do so well that you would enjoy, enjoy doing it for free? What is your passion the spark that needs only a little breeze to ignite into a raging fire. His book is Success to Significance. Man, with me, the seed was finally planted. Well, back in the corporate world, things are going well again. I'm back. Self-healed twice. I was the chief financial officer of the company that I was working for. And I had just played a significant role in a very big, successful, and sizable buy-sell transaction that was, that was just a big success. Man, I was feeling really good about myself, very confident. However, what I failed to realize, because of this year that we had gone through, the, the, just the, um, the toll that that sale process had on our underlying accounting records I found out my, from, from my staff, they weren't in the shape they were supposed to be in. So in early 2012, without pointing any fingers, it soon became an all-hands-on-deck effort to put all the accounting records back in order so we could complete the annual dreaded year-end financial audit. But when you come out of a buy-sell transaction, it's just, things are crazy. We had a huge bank syndicate, new expectations. They don't know us very well. And, and dead on the books of, of books of a company. Everybody's watching because the earnings has to be in a certain, certain place in line to support the debt that you take on. Well, we're working around the clock. I'm driving home to go to sleep for two hours and everybody's coming into work that morning. So for about a month and a half, we're doing 22-hour workdays. But unfortunately, we missed the filing deadline by four days. In the corporate world I was living in with all this bank debt and 30 banks looking at our financial results, it became a huge issue. For the first time in my career, April 30th, 2012, I had truly failed. I could blame my team all I wanted to, but I'm the CFO of the company. I had not delivered. It was all on me. But what was interesting, in the middle of this storm, I was calm. In terms of its effect on me, it was as if the fear of failure for the last 25 years was actually worse than the failure itself. 
I finally learned that I could survive failure and it was okay. Now, to the investors, the banks, you know, it wasn't so okay with them. But everything worked out fine to no long-term negative consequences to the company. What I realized is that earlier seed that was planted had just gotten watered. I was beginning to think more about significance now versus success, but I wasn't yet ready to act on it. I retired from that company in 2013 with thoughts of significance running through my head. However, that was short-lived. As I met some investors, we hit it off. They invited me to join their private equity firm. I distinctly remember negotiating with God that if I could get one more business deal, have one more element of success, then I would retire and I would completely switch to significance. Well, let me tell you, not a good idea to negotiate with God, <laughs> especially when you don't really have any leverage. But I soon became CEO of a portfolio company in this private equity firm. Under my leadership, the company took off more than doubled in revenue. And we were dropping down operating results, positive cash flow, investors, everybody's happy. Man, Dennis could do no wrong again. I had my one failure. I survived it. I'm good. And some of you may remember August of 2014, oil dropped from 100 bucks a barrel to 40 bucks a barrel. I'm CEO of an oil field service company. Well, within just a few months, our market went away. Everything I'd built up, I was not having to dismantle. I cut as much cost out of the company I could find, and we're still losing money. Man, I'm really stressed out now. Fearing, fearing failure was coming and I could do little about it. I was feeling alone at the top. I was out of answers. I called a board meeting to ask for assistance. It's September 10th, 2015. I'm sitting in a contentious board meeting. Nobody's happy. The industry's collapsing, collapsing. The company is collapsing. And I don't have all the answers. At the end of that day, we decided we're going to reconvene tomorrow as if overnight we're going to come up with answers. I'm really caught up in the moment because this was my CEO role. This is supposed to be my defining moment, right? Well, I'm driving home on the same Houston tollway, six o'clock on September 10th, 2015. And, and I'm thinking about tomorrow and how am I going to handle it? And all of a sudden, God called me out right there. He said, are you ready to surrender and build my kingdom? And without hesitation, I said, yes. And then he gave me the exit plan. I had lots of time to hear from him in that truck because on the same Houston tollway, tollway pre-pandemic at 6 p.m., you're not moving very fast. I'll tell you that. But by the time I got home, I knew what I was going to do the next day. I would give the board the plan, which included me resigning. September 11th, ironic, 2015, after 28 years in the corporate world, I was done. I really didn't know what I was going to do next and had never in my life resigned a position without having the next one figured out already. But this time I felt completely at peace because I had failed and it, again and it was going to be okay. I was putting myself completely in God's hands for the first time ever. I had just surrendered. I had no job, 
but I had peace because I had finally chosen significance over success. So as leaders, what I'm here to tell you today, and, and this is it right here, it's okay to fail. Write it down. It's okay to fail. The question is, what's going to happen after you fail? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to stay down or are you going to get back up? I also learned that you have to keep the order right. God, family, and career, and that's no joke. When you put God last, he'll let you go, do your thing. But I will tell you, it's going to be painful. What I will also tell you is that, the, that I learned is that the fear of failing, which I really came to understand since then, that's the work of the enemy. But the fear of failing is actually worse than failing and falling into the arms of Jesus. For me, the corporate world became my prison. I tell ex-convicts this all the time. It's funny, you walk up to the next college, you know, he said, man, I went to prison too. Really? Yeah, just mine didn't have bars. But it was my prison because I couldn't get out of it 24-7, always connected. My addiction wasn't drugs or alcohol. My addiction was work. So you have to come to the realization that the addiction is real before you can actually do something about it. I denied it for a long time. When I finally realized it was real, became painfully real at times, that I finally did something about it. So as you think about success versus significance, where are you? You know, you only get one life. And striking a good balance between the two is essential to living a fulfilling life. There's another world out there beyond the world of, of success that needs your time, talents, and treasures. So find out what you're truly passionate about and get involved in that because that is where you will find your greatest joy. And I'll tell you something, in that space, you will never fail. Today, I love walking the streets of some of the worst, most poverty-stricken communities around Houston as part of Eyes on Me. I talk to people I'm not supposed to be talking to, people I apparently don't have anything in common with by the worldly measures, but I've led people to Christ. I've baptized people on the streets. I've learned what significance is all about and, and, and love the fact that significance is a great end to starting with success. So I finally figured out what I want on my epitaph. And it's 100X. And I know that there's never going to be any failure in that. So the question I leave you with is, what do you want on your epitaph? And are you living your life in such a way to attain that? Thank you very much.